All right, I'm going to come down here to preach today's message. Everybody ever seen that um, commercial for Hair Club for Men? Yes. And he ends it. You don't have to admit that you use it. But um, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. He says, I'm not only a spokesman for Hair Club, I'm also a client. Today's message is one of those that I just feel I want to be a little closer to you when I preach it and to be one of you as I preach it because I'm preaching a lot to myself also. Just as a quick warning, if there's any smaller children, I don't know if it's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a rated PG message, parental guidance suggested, but we're not going to be getting overly graphic, so I don't think you're going to have to worry about anything. It's going to be uh, a bit uncomfortable for some parents maybe to hear this or um, in front of their children, or maybe it just be people on the podcast, but there's going to be a little bit more involved than most messages we get into. The second thing I want to bring to your attention, I'm going to make you a guarantee. I'm going to guarantee I'm going to get you mad. I guarantee I'm probably going to stomp on a toe. And many of you will probably be offended. And I know because as I was preparing this, I was stomping on my own toes. There was actually, I don't think there's been a message I've done since I've been here that I cried as much as I did when I was writing it. So I want you to know, and by me being down here, this is me too, that I'm preaching to this morning. As your pastor, it's my job to present truth, even when that truth is going to sting us hard. And I would be negligent in my job as a spiritual father to this congregation if I didn't bring you God's word in all of its fullness, especially the ones that I know are probably going to get me nasty emails or or mean that people may not come back eventually. That's the purpose of God's word. Once in a while is to make us uncomfortable, even sorrowful, because the Bible says godly sorrow leads us to repentance. I would also ask if you need clarification on anything, contact me after the message. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. And again, I'm preaching this at myself as much as I'm preaching this to any of you. Saying that, the title of today's message is No Cheating. We're going to be talking about the seventh commandment, that you shall not commit adultery. We're going to be in Exodus 20.14, if you want to turn there in your Bible, or flip your bulletin over, or activate your electronic device, however you read God's Word. A couple years ago, in July 2015, people woke up to the news story of a website being hacked. The names and addresses of the people who had gone to this site and signed up for its services were now posted publicly where anybody could go up and look up somebody's name and see if they'd ever used this site. A lot of politicians, teachers, judges, community leaders, and even pastor and denominational leaders were suddenly thrown into the spotlight when it was discovered that their name and personal and even professional emails were part of this database that had signed up for these services. That website was called Ashley Madison. Their tagline and their motto is, life is short, have an affair. Ashley Madison is this website that allows you to sign up and make a profile advertising yourself as a person who is in a committed relationship and is looking for another person in a committed relationship to have an affair with. That's their whole reason for being. We call it affair. I kind of shake my head at that because, as usual, our world is taking a hard biblical truth 
and softened it with a word that sounds a little bit better, like affair. Or they'll call it a tryst. Or maybe there's a little bit of wandering going on or a small indiscretion. But the Bible is very clear about what God calls this. He calls it adultery if you are married and fornication if you're not married. And God has some strong opinions and, and strong things to say about this. But first thing we need to do is define the terms because in this post-Christian America, we've lost the meaning of what this word really means. The Bible is very black and white for in its meaning of the word fornication and adultery. So let's look at the definition of adultery. If you are a married person, it's any physical contact, any emotional connection, or any sexual feeling or outlet that God has reserved for the marital union alone that is directed to someone other than your spouse. The definition of fornication is exactly the same as adultery except you're not married when you're doing it. Why would I include fornication in a sermon about adultery? Because fornication is adultery against your future spouse. You also notice these definitions exclude pretty much all of modern day dating practices, don't they? Do you know why a pastor says you may now kiss your wife at the, in a wedding? Because that's supposed to be their first kiss that they ever do. That excludes everything we have about modern dating practices. And modern dating practices right now are an internship for adultery later, is what they are. God takes both adultery and fornication very, very, very seriously. At the time this was written, about 3,400 years ago, God prescribed severe civil penalties for these actions. The penalty for any of that was death. And some of us, and I say us because I include myself, are alive today only because we weren't born then. The seventh commandment is five words. You shall not commit adultery. And Father God, I ask, Lord, that as a good father, you take us into your arms today and that we can understand your heart and your will, and that we can know your love in giving us this law to protect us from ourselves, Lord, so that we may live lives of freedom and joy. Lord, if there be anyone here that is captive to this sin, let this be their day of freedom, God, as they hear the truth of your word, no matter how it stings us. And I ask this in your name. Amen. I want to take you through Scripture today and look at this very controversial and for some, it's a very painful topic. I know that there are many here this morning who have been victims of this sin. I know that there are many people here this morning that are guilty of committing this sin. And I know that there may be people who, are, who have had both in their lives. I want to present some biblical truth this morning because remember the Ten Commandments are not there to spoil our fun. They're not made to make us feel like moral failures before God. They are planks in a protective fence that God has erected around our lives so that we can be free and live free before Him. Right. Let's take a look at some of the biblical truths of adultery or fornication. The first truth is adultery actually begins with God. Before you click on that website, 
that take you to a place you shouldn't be at, or before you answer the flirtatious sex from somebody from the opposite sex, or before you make plans to be with that other person and cheat on your spouse or significant other, you first have to cheat on God. Do you realize that adultery breaks every other commandment before you get to that act? I mean, just look at the Ten Commandments for a moment. If you start with the Ten Commandments, adultery begins with coveting. Coveting means it's an unhealthy spiritual desire for something or someone that is not yours. That's the Tenth Commandment. And then it involves in you lying in some fashion to yourself, to God, or to your spouse, the Ninth Commandment. You then steal the, mar the marital affection of someone else that's supposed to be reserved only for their spouse, the Eighth Commandment. The seventh is what we're talking about today. You then murder your spiritual health, each other's marriages, and murder the health of their families, your families, and possibly if there's intimacy that produces a pregnancy, a murder of a child to cover up your sin. That's the sixth commandment. You dishonor your parents by your action, the fifth commandment. You take your rest and pleasure in something other than God alone, the fourth commandment. You blaspheme God's name if you call yourself a Christian and commit adultery, whether you're Caught or not, the spiritual forces see it, and they can mock Christ in the spiritual realm, the third commandment. If you commit adultery, you make for yourself a mental, physical, and emotional idol in the person you're committing adultery with, the second commandment. And finally, you deny that God is your sovereign king, the first commandment. This is why God takes adultery so seriously, and why adultery begins with cheating on God. One of the most famous illustrations in the Bible is King David. In 2 Samuel 11, David was taking a walk and he sees a woman named Bathsheba taking a bath on her rooftop. Now a lot of pastors have really crucified it and misinterpreted this and, and called her a loose woman for doing this. But, but let me explain this a little bit better. In Old Testament times, the law of Moses had very, very specific rules on what they called ceremonial cleanliness. And you were ceremonial unclean. If you became and broke one of these laws, it meant you couldn't go to church. It meant you had to take a week off of church, and then everybody would see you weren't there, and then everybody would be like, well, what made them ceremonially unclean that they couldn't come to temple? So it was a, it was a major social thing. So everybody was very, very fastidious about how ceremonial clean they were at all times. And one of these rules required women to purify themselves from their monthly flow by bathing outside so what they were cleansing themselves of didn't make it inside the house and make the entire house ceremonially unclean. To avoid this, women who lived in cities would bathe on the roof inside of a tent so they, they would obey the Levitical law. And apparently in this case, the tent door blew open or something happened where David saw her in the nude bathing. And he desired her, he lusted after her, he coveted her. And even knowing he, she was the wife of one of his friends, he brought her into his chambers and committed adultery. But then Bathsheba becomes pregnant. David attempts a cover-up in which did not work when he brings Uriah back and says, go lay with your wife. Maybe, maybe if he lays with his wife and say, well, Praise God, they had a baby, and cover it up. Didn't work. Uriah was too, too much of a man of character and honor to go into his wife when all of his friends are out fighting. And so David tells his general, put him in the heat of battle, and when the fighting is the hardest, withdraw from him so he gets killed. And that's what happens. Uriah gets killed, 
And David takes Bathsheba to be one of his wives. A year later, a prophet comes and confronts David for doing this evil act, and he pronounces judgment upon David. David goes into a full week of fasting and prayer, and during that time he pens one of the most beautiful psalms in the entire Bible. And this is what David said about his adultery and murder. He said, against you, God, and you only, have I done this evil in your sight. He recognized it began with God, that he had cheated on God first. The seventh commandment protects the first institution God ever established, and that's marriage. And with all the cultural redefining of marriage that has happened in our world, we have to remember that historically and most importantly, biblically, marriage isn't just a contract between a husband and a wife. It's a contract between these two people and God himself. If you are guilty of committing adultery here, you need to get right with God first because he was the first person you cheated on. The second truth about adultery is this. Adultery destroys the person who commits it. There's something about sexual sin that is particularly devastating and deadly to the human spirit. And I want to be very clear. Sexual intimacy is a gift from a loving God. It really is. In fact, if I were to translate God's first two commandments to humanity into modern speak, it would be this. Eat as much as you want from the fruit of this tree. I like that commandment, obviously. The second commandment was this. Have lots of, spirit, of marital intimacy. That's a 21st century street version of be fruitful and multiply. He said, essentially, I want you to eat all you want, and I want you to have this marital intimacy with your wife over here all the time. That's all, I, that's all I'm committing you to do right now is these two things. And people call our God some type of killjoy, but that was his first two commandments to us. And God gave us this gift, but like any gift, it has a potential to be misused. When I was eight, my grandfather gave me a 22 caliber rifle, and he said I could use it whenever I wanted as long as he was home to supervise it. My grandparents lived just outside of town in Hayward, so it was okay for me to go out in the yard and plink at squirrels or rabbits or whatever else was trying to get into the garden. And one day, my grandfather was out with his friend Bob Swanson. Bob was the surveyor for Sawyer County, and they were out doing some surveying, and I wanted to go out and shoot some cans. And so I figured, well, he's not going to be home for a little while. I can probably get away with it. Grabbed the rifle, loaded it in the kitchen, went out, shot a couple cans, unloaded the rifle, came back, put it away. You know, I didn't think anybody would be the wiser. My grandfather came home, and he wasn't home 30 seconds before he calls me downstairs. I come downstairs, and he's holding a 22 caliber shell in his hand. Apparently, when I was loading in the kitchen, I dropped one, and it hit the rug next to the sink and rolled up underneath the fridge, and my grandfather came home to get something cold out of the fridge, and there's a 22 caliber shell on the floor. I lost the use of that rifle for the rest of the time I was there and got a strict lesson in obedience and firearm safety because, let's face it, a rifle in the hands of a 10-year-old can be kind of dangerous. Sex is the same way. God gave us this incredible gift that we should love him for, we should thank him for, we should appreciate him for giving it to us. 
but he also gives us some rules so we don't harm ourselves using this gift that he has given us. Proverbs 6.32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Another reason that adultery is harmful to the person doing it is it destroys Imago Dei. Last week we talked about Imago Dei in reference to murder, the image of God that God placed within us, and why murder destroys Imago Dei. Genesis 1 says that humanity is made in the image of God. That spiritual image of God is what gives us our God consciousness. It's the only way that you and I determine what is right from wrong. We call it our conscience. Adultery and sexual sin destroy that inner sense of right and wrong. Nothing creates a callous over the human heart like sexual sin. I could cite case after case, story after story, of people who have committed vicious and heinous crimes with what they thought was just a little sexual sin. And it usually starts with pornography. A quick example that we read about all the time. One of the biggest per capita consumers of pornography is college campuses. Question, where is the highest incidence of date rape? College campuses. Think there might be a little bit of a correlation there? Especially when you lower inhibitions with massive alcohol consumption? And what happens in our schools eventually makes its way into our culture. And that's what has happened today. The next, thing, the next thing adultery affects is that adultery will then destroy that culture. And as a culture, we've given ourselves over to that spirit of adultery. In fact, if the Bible was written in 2017 by men, it would say, you shall commit adultery the way that our world is right now. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that smartphone addiction was fast becoming um, the most prevalent addiction listed in psychiatric literature. And I thought that was incredible. But it has only a very slight lead over number two, which is sexual addiction. And one of the chief outlets of that addiction is pornography. And yes, if we use the definition that we started with, viewing and consuming pornography is adultery and fornication, even within the marriage union. You are feeding a mental and spiritual monster that is going to eventually lead you to commit the physical act of adultery. Here are some statistics on pornography usage. Pornography websites, pornographic searches, and video searches are still listed on the most searched items on Google, Bing, or Yahoo search engines. In the news two years ago, a well-known hotel chain in Florida that is connected to a convention center released information of when it had the most orders for sexually explicit movies. Number one was Super Bowl weekend. That's a date that has the highest incidence of sexual crime throughout America. I don't know if you know that. That's when most people are trafficked, the most rape occurs, it's on Super Bowl weekend. Number two, and this, this hits us right where we're at. Number two, when a National Church Leaders Convention was in town. Youth leaders in particular. It's not just the world. We think we're immune from this in the church. But in a joint survey conducted by Proven Men's Ministry and Barna Research a year ago, they found the following in American churches. These were the statistics, and these are just a year old. 55% of men view porn once a month, 52% of women. 
77% of men between the ages of 18 and 30 view it at least once a week. 36% view it daily, and most of them admit to a secret addiction to pornography that they're too embarrassed to talk to their pastor or other church members about. And some people would say, well, those are probably the mainstream churches. Those are probably the, the churches who aren't spirit-filled or who aren't born again. Well, among us born again, 95% men and women have viewed it. 54% on at least a monthly basis and 18% admit addiction. Why is pornography so bad? Why is it adultery? Because according to Jesus, he said, if you look upon another person with lust, you've already committed adultery. If you allow it to take residence in your heart, that is adultery. It's not just the physical act. The physical act is just the end of, of what happened when you allowed something to come into your heart and mind and spirit. Since pornography is mental adultery, how does that affect physical adultery? Well, they say that 75% of men and 60% of men, women who admit to the regular consumption of pornography also admit to at least one affair. That's what they admit to. And the latest trends show that women are actually catching up and passing men when it comes to the consumption of pornography and having extramarital affairs. So wives, take the elbows out of your husband's ribs. You're passing us up. And I think that these numbers are probably actually higher. The researchers just found some people being honest. And we don't even need to search out the hardcore stuff, do we? Turn on the TV and the results aren't much better. Not only is primetime covered in extramarital sex, it portrays marital sex and faithful people as boring, outcasts, nerds, not, to, not anybody you actually want to hang around. And not only that, but things that were historically deviant and deviant sexual practices are becoming mainstream. The Fifty Shades series portrays abuse and degradation as normal, as fun, as exciting and desirable. I can't tell you how many women at work, virtually every single one of them have that book on their desk when they're working that they can read when they're, when they're um, not taking care of patients. And it breaks my heart. Bisexuality, homosexuality is portrayed as normal and even more desirable than heterosexual relationships. Sexual sin has become pandemic in our world. If this was an actual physical disease, we'd be closing schools, putting up roadblocks, forcing people to stay in their homes. But because it's a spiritual disease, we just let it keep going. We need to recognize it for what it is. It's an attack by the enemy of our souls and God's primary foundational institution, right. and that is marriage. Marriage that is supposed to bring up a godly lineage and godly families to produce and carry it on for the next generation. Because if Satan can split up our families, he can split our churches and ruin the church's power in this world. He knows he can't attack it directly. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So he has to go around the backside and destroy those foundations so that he can have more influence in our culture and drag more people down to hell. That's why the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That is Satan's attack. Are you depressed yet? Are you thinking, wow, I'm never coming back to this church again? Please bear with me a few more moments because I want to show you the remedy for anybody who has been caught up in this, has done this, 
or is currently addicted to pornography or sexual sin. I want to talk about the remedy. Number one, we have to realize that the church is a hospital for those who are sick. Mark 2.17 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinner. We as a church have to decide that's who we are. Jesus himself indicated we are the hospital of the sick. And that means the spiritually sick in in our society. That means if you're here and you feel horrible because what we are talking about, you're right where Jesus wants you to be. And if anything, I think that we have sinned in the Pentecostal and holiness traditions because we've had a tendency to paint people with a scarlet A upon them and want to throw them out of our churches. Why would we throw a sick person out of the hospital? We need to help them and get them back into a right relationship with God. Because if one of us is suffering, the entire body suffers. That's right. Many of you remember a few weeks ago when I had that, that foot injury and I was limping around here. And, and you know, it's less than 1% of your body. Your, your foot represents literally 1% of your body. But man, I'll tell you what, I had that, that heel spur and then I got gout on top of that because I was stupid and ate a bunch of ice cream. And I got gout, and I was just couldn't walk, and it was just hurt so bad. I'll tell you what, 1% of your body can really affect how the rest of your body is operating. And it's the same thing here in the church. If you're struggling with sexual sin today, you need to know you're in a safe place. We have people here. I'm willing to come alongside you and help you through this. You just need to confess. You just need to ask. Because I have been there And speaking for myself, I'm not going to judge you because I'm a graduate of a program to get rid of pornographic addiction. Twice I went through this program. And I know a lot of men who have graduated that program, and you'd be surprised at the positions they hold in society or the church. If you need help, please ask. Because Because those statistics tell us that there's something wrong if we don't ask for help. The second remedy to get rid of sexual sin and adultery out of our lives is transparency. If I haven't kicked you in the gut yet, I'm going to have a couple more gut check questions here. Right now, if I asked to look at your smartphone, would you be nervous about what I might find? If I came to your house and looked through your video collections, would you be ashamed? If I were to look through your computer files or we were to place them up here on the screen right now, your internet history, even if you've erased it and think you're clever enough to to get rid of the proof, if I was able to toss it up there, would you be nervous and ashamed? And don't worry, I'm not going to show up at your house with a referee's uniform throwing a flag if I see a rated R movie in your collection. That's not my job. That's between you and Jesus. But I'm just going to ask you this. If you're wondering if this is something you should have in your life, Ask yourself this. Would you pop some popcorn and then invite Jesus over to watch it? Would you ask Jesus to slide a chair in next to you while you look at that website? Would you pray before you read that book or looked at that magazine and ask Jesus to bless it? If not, you might want to think twice about it. Because in fact, Jesus is God. 
God is omnipresent. God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. So he is sitting next to you watching. If any of this is making you uncomfortable and angry, it's actually a good thing because it shows that you need to do that heart check before God. Last thing we have to do is to guard our heart. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people shipwreck their life, totally ruin things with the phrase, I was just following my heart. The Bible has a lot to say about the human heart. And when we say heart in a biblical sense, we're talking about the seed of emotions and the seed of our will. And this is what the Bible has to say about the human heart in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some translations say desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Let me explain what I'm talking about here. You cannot allow your heart to lead you into what your brain, your Bible, and what your God tells you is wrong. Right. As a Christian, you're not to be led by your heart. You are to lead your heart. Yeah. You are to guard your heart. You are to let Jesus reign in your heart. That's right. I'm going to end today with this scripture. Proverbs 4, 23. It says, Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity, corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your gaze look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thoughts to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, and keep your foot from evil. Above all else, Guard your heart. Let's all stand.